Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Tim, come on up. Many of you know Tim. Obviously, Tim Marino led uh, the Glenwood Church and still leading down there. Obviously, want to give him an update. And thank you all for being up here this morning. Go and have yeah, a seat. Yeah, just you guys go ahead and have a seat. Um, great to be here this morning. We're, um, it's funny, uh, Neil and I were joking. We're a little out of practice because we've been meeting as a home church for the last year or so. Um, so we've been meeting in living rooms. And I just want to say you guys have a really cool living room. So uh, we want to kind of bring you into the living room this morning, um, and uh, I, I just want to share, I, obviously we're going to mix things up, like normally, um, you know, there's several songs, and so um, just bear with us this morning. If you guys can just roll with it, that'd be great. Um, but we thought we'd just start off just kind of sharing some context uh, and some history of where God's led us, um, just so you know a little bit more about just what God's put on our hearts, and, and our hope this morning is that God really speaks to you. That in something we say or share, uh, in something in the scriptures, that, that God really speaks to you. Because we really believe that, that God's in the business of speaking to each one of us directly. Um, so some of you know that uh, Marina and I um, were part of the leadership team here when, uh, when the church really had a heart for Glenwood Springs and starting something there. And uh, long story short is in uh, 2012, uh, we started to meet down there with a group of like 14 or 16 people and uh, met for about a year and a half in a former car dealership and uh, learned a lot through that process. During that time, Marina and I moved to Glenwood Springs. Uh, we also uh, felt a call to go into full-time ministry, so I joined the church staff uh, about a year later, or two years later. And um, uh, the interesting thing is during that time, that, that transition, uh, things kind of gracefully fell apart. And uh, we started from scratch. So I literally started January of 2014 on, on staff with the church. There was no building. There was no people. There were no prospects. There was no nothing. And God really did an amazing thing, raised up a lot of people and, um, and grew things uh, to the point where we were meeting in the Glenwood Springs Library in their community room and uh, would have like 80 to 100 people on a Sunday. And we were like, wow, this is, this is awesome. God's doing something here. And during that time, uh, Dan Kale uh, joined us. Uh, we recruited him from Aspen. They moved to Newcastle and uh, uh, joined us in the leadership team there, which was just wind in our sails because uh, he brought another person to our leadership team. Uh, and then Neil Bishop uh, also joined us. And, um, and several other guys and, uh, and their wives were part of that leadership time and team. Uh, but really, we started to ask the question, you know, as a team, as we were meeting, we said, Lord, are we getting things done? Like, are we doing what you've called us to do? And, and I don't know about you, but that's a, those are hard questions to ask when we ask those personally in our lives. Like, am I doing, Lord, what you've called me to do or what you've designed me to do or what you want me to do? Um, but as we were asking those questions, we really sought the Lord and we said, Lord, we want to be about what you want us to be about. And so during that time, he really started to lead us to, to question a lot of things. And uh, I'll credit Steve with uh, sharing a book, Francis Chan's book, Letter to the Churches. And um, that book rocked me. <laughs> it, he was asking all these questions, and I was like, I don't have good answers for these questions about church and, and, and what we're doing and what things look like. Uh, and so long story short, we, we started talking about this as a leadership team, and, and God really impressed upon our hearts that... Um, we, we might need to make some changes. 
And in the midst of that, God really spoke to me and said, you know, I think you need to move away from full-time ministry and, and look to get back in the marketplace, which was kind of a surprise, but also a relief in some ways. And also during that time, we, we sort of said, how can we mix things up on, on Sundays? We were meeting in the library. We actually made a move over to Hotel Colorado, thanks to Marion Melville and, and their family and that connection there. Uh, and we said, you know, when we move to the hotel, we're going to try some different things. So we actually put the seats in a circle, literally in a circle. And we thought, Let, let's see if we can worship together, looking at one another's faces, enjoying just being together, more of sort of a, a circle the wagons community type feel. Um, we also started playing with the idea of, of the message. Can we make it more interactive? And, and you're going to see maybe a little bit of that later when Neil comes up. Um, can we play a little bit more with engaging one another in discussion around what the scriptures are saying. And so I want to encourage you, if God's put something on your heart today, as Neil shares some of the scripture, um, bring that, right? Encourage us with that, because we want to hear from you. We believe the body of Christ is a big family. Uh, and so then we got into um, about a year or so, uh, about a year and a half ago, that winter, um, God really led us to say, you know what, I, I don't know if meeting in public like this is, is what we need to be doing long term. And we sort of hatched this idea of, of moving into home churches spread out over the valley uh, from Glenwood to Silt. And then COVID hit. <laughs> and we were like, oh, this is actually a good opportunity to try out what we were thinking, right? We can't meet in large groups. We can't meet in public spaces. Things are closed down. Um, so that's what we started to do as things opened up. We, we moved into homes and we said, you know, there's really something to this. Uh, and so for us, it's been this, this wild transition. Um, God's led us in a place we never thought we'd go. Proverbs 16.9 says um, that uh, a man plans his steps, but, but, or man uh, plans his path, but God uh, determines the steps. And we really feel like God's done that with us. And so Sundays when we meet, we actually meet in living rooms. We, we rotate around to different homes uh, and we meet. It's really informal. The kids are right there with us. So it's great to see all you kids here because uh, that's pretty normal for us. And, um, and it, it's, it's a sweet time of just being together as a family. And I think if you all hear nothing else from me today is that, that the body of Christ is a family, first and foremost. I think too often we talk about going to church, too often we talk about doing church, but it's not about those things, it's about being together and being the body of Christ. And so as we've moved in this direction, um, we're just doing things in a simple way. Uh, we do, Dan leads us in a, a couple worship songs, uh, we have different people lead our times uh, in the scripture, and, uh, and we're just trying to keep things really simple and really relational. And so I guess my encouragement to you all this morning as, uh, as we sit in a big living room together is uh, how can you connect with other believers uh, in a family, right? And do you see church as a family? Are you participating in the family? And I just want to say this. I was praying about this this morning, and I feel like the Lord um, just put this on my heart for all of us. Uh, I know sometimes our view of family, we, we have hurts in our family. It might be our, our biological family or even the church family. Um, but as a friend of mine, Gary Lytell says, we're perfectly imperfect, right? That we all are sinners. We're all in need of grace. And uh, I just want to say this morning, don't give up on Jesus and don't give up on his body, the church, right? the family of God, uh, that we need each other. And especially during these times, and especially with whatever's coming in the future, culturally, politically, economically, 
uh, all those things we can't control, that we need each other as the body of Christ. Uh, so we're going to worship this morning, and then Neil's going to come up a little bit uh, later. But I want to encourage you, just engage with us, have fun with us this morning, and uh, we hope we can bring a little bit of home church to Crossroads Aspen. Really uh, good to be here with you guys this morning. Really appreciate Steve and the leadership team having us up and uh, expressing a, quite a bit of faith, not knowing exactly how this was going to go. Uh, appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, sometimes um, when we do things outside the norm, it doesn't feel real safe, does it? Um, but sometimes that's exactly what we need. And I know for me that the Lord in so many ways over the last number of years has brought me outside my comfort zone in many situations and places uh, that I might share a couple of those this morning with you where I don't feel safe. But that, those are the times where we know that the Lord is faithful, where I don't feel faithful, or I don't feel like uh, I'm on top of my game, or I don't feel like I'm walking down that, that straight path that I always have. The Lord is there with us. It's so cool. I want to take a look this morning um, at a passage in Galatians, and I don't know if we have it uh, queued up or not. But in Galatians chapter 5, maybe we can just read uh, this passage and uh, I can talk a little bit and share a little bit about where the Lord's brought us and uh, maybe just a couple points of teaching this morning from this passage and then possibly some, some testimonies as well. Good, we got it queued up. This is cool. Man, this is not like home church at all. Wow. Very cool. Galatians 5, uh, starting in verse... 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. For you were called to freedom. I just want to take a moment. Let me just pray. Father, uh, maybe, there's, maybe there's someone here who's in bondage. It could be a believer, someone who's, who's stuck. God, you've called us to freedom. I pray, Lord, that you would, you, would, you would release that bondage now. And that any one of us that feels the, the, the chains, God, that you would break those. In Jesus' name we pray. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Boy, that line will preach, won't it? I feel like I don't want to move on from there, but... Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And then verse uh, 16, I believe we're at. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So much in this passage, one of the things that I wanted to bring up briefly, it seems like to me that all of us are born with one part of us up and one part of us down. We're born into this world a little bit confused, and there's an innocence as we're, as, as we're born into this world, and, and we haven't yet experienced certain things in life. We haven't yet experienced what it means to make a choice to do good or evil and that type of thing. But we find out at a pretty young age, we have four kids, and uh, we can testify to this, not only from being a kid, but from watching my own. At a pretty young age, they start deciding if they're going to do right or wrong. Uh, it's quite amazing to see, especially in one of our kids at such a young age, how they made this willful choice to either do the right thing or the wrong thing. And we're all born kind of pointing up and pointing down. There's this innocence in a child who, who believes in God and wants to do the right thing and has this desire to, to, to know God and, and to just want to do right. But then as we get a little bit older, sometimes uh, sin can creep in and start to sort of take its toll on that innocence. And in this passage, we see that there's these, there's these two parts of us, one's pointing up and one's pointing down. And that's sort of the, the, the experience that we have even before we come to know the Lord. We have this desire to do good, but we always find along with that, there's this darkness that's pulling us to this other side. And it's like we're going to give in to one of the two. When I was 19 years old, I came to a crossroads, no pun intended, in my life where I had to make a choice. I was not living like I knew I should be living. And man, it was, it was darkness. And my dad said that time, he said, I've never, I've never felt a spiritual darkness so strong than when you were at that time in your life. And I had to make a choice. I was hanging out with the wrong people. I was doing the wrong things. And I could feel the darkness pulling. And I had this really strong sense in my life that if I went, I wasn't coming back. And had to make a choice. I ended up at uh, uh, about two in the morning. I don't even know how I got there. I was at my dad's bedside, weeping. Just saying, I don't know what to do. 19 years old, I was supposed to be a man. I felt like a little kid. But here I was being pulled. And there's, there's, there's two forces that want your soul in this world. God is devising ways. He's devising ways to rescue those who have been banished. Those who have been taken by the deception of the world and by Satan. God's devising ways to bring you back. And then, you know, we have the dark side devising ways too, to bring us over to that side. And each one of us, it seems at some point in our life, whether it's dramatic experience and a dramatic testimony, or whether it's just me deciding, you know what, I think I'm going to follow Jesus. We come to this point in our life where we have to choose which way we're going. Are we going up or are we going down? And once a person becomes born again... Jesus said, unless, unless one becomes born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It's like he just points us up. And Jesus said, if you have a single eye, if you have a single eye, then your whole body will be full of light. It says in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I've experienced that as a kid and also as an adult, even as a believer. Sometimes I'm double-minded. 
and I start having this tendency to, to start pointing down again toward the, toward the flesh, toward, toward the works that it talks about of the flesh here in Galatians, toward those things that offer immediate gratification, but the end of those things is always death, death of the spirit, depression, despair, loneliness, but they offer some certain amount of immediate gratification. And, and that's what the devil does. He deceives us. He says, follow me and your life will be easy. Go down this path of, of we don't realize it, it's bondage. But he says, come down this path and your life's going to be easy. I'll promise you an easy life. You won't have to worry about things. I'll give you money. I'll give you these things it talks about in Galatians and, and, and you'll have a great old time. But he makes false promises. Even, even the devil himself appears as an angel of light. And he makes a promise, and it's a complete lie, and we go down it. We might get a, a sense of immediate gratification, but the end is awful, and it leaves us feeling in despair and depression and darkness. Jesus, on the other hand, says, I want you to follow me. And you know what? One of the things, there's a, there's a lot to love about Jesus, okay? But one of the things I really love about him, he didn't pretend like it was going to be easy for us. He said, I want you to follow me. And by the way, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to experience some hard things. Uh, you might even die for your faith. But at the end, it's the way of life. At the end, it's going to be the most gratifying thing that you could ever experience. And even in the meantime, as we choose to follow Jesus, we find it's much more fulfilling long-term than it is to follow darkness. As we follow the light, it's much more fulfilling. Jesus didn't say it's going to be easy. He didn't say, come and follow me, and I'll give you everything you want in this life. He says, come and follow me, and I will fulfill the desires of your heart, the longing of your soul. It may not be the immediate pleasure that we, we seek without God, but it's the long-term life that only Jesus can give. And I love that about him. He says, it's, it's, it, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. may not be easy, but it's going to be a lot easier than following the darkness. There's a proverb, and uh, I believe it's Proverbs 13. It says, um, let me see if I can call it to mind. The way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the sinner is hard. And here's the way that my simple mind looks at it. If I choose to go down a dark path, it's going to be hard. If I choose to follow the light, it's going to be hard. Choose your heart. Which heart do I want? The dark path is hard. I'm telling you, the path of loneliness and depression and despair is not easy. It might offer some sort of immediate sense of gratification, but it's hard. And the end thereof is the way of death. Following Jesus is hard, but the end thereof is the way of life. It's light. And as we see in this passage, he offers us something better the way of the Christian life isn't just a list of don't do this. He does give us a list of don'ts. Don't follow the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, and so on, etc. Don't follow that. But he says, I want you to replace it with something so much better, so much more gratifying, where you're going to have a sense of true fulfillment. And the end is so much better. It's eternal life. The end is a life with Jesus. And we'd ex we, we get to experience that right here in the here and now. So he, as we look at this passage, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I like to think about the fruit of the Spirit in the sense that, am I cultivating 
Am I cultivating ground in my life in which I can, I'm allowing the, the fruit of the Spirit to grow? There are gifts of the Spirit that are all unique and individual to particular believers that God gives us, gives us specific gifts that are unique and individual to us. But the fruit of the Spirit, He gives all of them to all believers. All of us have them, and we can have them all the time if we want to. The question is, with the fruit, are we cultivating ground in which allows the fruit to grow? Am I toiling? Am I, am I working on the soil? Am I watering it? Am I creating an environment in which that fruit can grow? And that is really a kind of a springboard that, that Tim started with. That has to do so much with our fellowship in Christ and allowing ourselves to be vulnerable around each other, allowing ourselves to come and pick fruit off each other as we see it, we see it growing, allowing ourselves to call out these fruits in one another, allowing me to see the peace that Tim has, the joy that Dan has, the goodness that Sharona has, and being willing to rub shoulders with them and see that and, and uh, really calling each other, calling these gifts out in one another. Uh, it's so important that we learn to do that as we're acting out what it means to be the body of Christ as we're acting these things out. About, let's see, it's 2021 now, so I don't know if anybody's lost time with the whole COVID era. I don't remember what year it is anymore. Um, but about 2017, the beginning of 2017, we were living in Grand Junction. And a close brother of mine, uh, brother in Christ, said, Neil, I, I had a word come to mind for this year for you. I said, cool, what is it? It's a transition. Transition, okay. Transition. Within six months, we were transitioning my job. Her job was done. We moved houses. We left the church we were in for 20 years, and we transitioned up here to Glenwood Springs. <clears throat> really cool how the Lord worked all that out. What I didn't realize what was about to happen was we were about to go into crisis mode with a couple of our kids. We, had, we have four kids. Two of them are teenagers. One of them just graduated. Another one's still in high school. And then we have two, two boys that are still elementary age. But as we moved up here, things began to go into crisis mode. And for about six months or so, we were trying to figure out where we were going, what we were doing. We had been in a, a church group, same church group for 20 years prior to coming up here. And uh, uh, I didn't realize what was happening, but I was very emotional. And we didn't know how to deal with these, these crises that were coming up in our lives. And I remember telling Sharona, I said, I think I, I think I know what's going on with me. I think I'm lonely. And we hadn't, we hadn't found these guys yet. Um, and the Lord led us into this group with Crossroads at just the right time, just the right place. And I mean, as we started developing relationships, we, we began acting out the body of Christ. And uh, I'd be calling these guys in, in crisis mode, hey, I was chasing my 13-year-old son down the street again. You know, what, what, what would you suggest I do here? Uh, whatever was going on in our life, we began just sharing and, and um, shedding tears together and laughing together and giving joy together. And there began to be, all of a sudden, life went from darkness and kind of despair mode and going down a dark path, seemingly, to love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness 
and all these things that, that, that the Lord offers. We couldn't have started experiencing those things unless we allowed ourselves to enter into true fellowship with other believers and to really begin allowing people into our life and getting past the point of where we go to church on Sunday, we come up and we say, hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How's life? Oh, it's busy. Yeah, yeah, me too. Busy. Well, good. Good to be here. See you next week. Man, if that's, if that's the only kind of relationship we're cultivating, then we are living lonely lives. And we may not even know it. We're lonely. Because the, the way of loneliness, it seems easier. Because I, I put walls up. I, yeah, I've developed relationships in the past and people burn me. So I'm not going to do that again. I had a marriage go bad. And uh, I just, I, I close up now. I don't really show myself to people. I, I was judged at a previous church. And so I'm not going to open myself up and be vulnerable anymore. And so I'm going to go the easy path. And I'm just going to have surface relationships. And I might church hop a little bit and see people that I know and shake hands and tell them how busy I am. And that'll be about good. Because that's easy, right? I don't think so. The way of loneliness is hard. It's hard. You know what else is hard? Committing yourself to fellowship and being close to other believers. That's hard. You've got to choose your heart. Well, the Lord wants us to choose his way. And his way is, I want you to connect with others. I want you to be the body. So when my arm's not working real well, I got Dan and he's my other arm. His arm's working well. And when maybe his arm isn't working well, he's got me and I'm the other arm. But we can't do that if we're only cultivating the surface relationship. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, I'm, how is the week going? I'm busy. Uh, me too. Okay, see ya. Oh, I get so sick. And Tim preached a message a few years ago about all of us always saying we're busy. And I can't get it out of my head now. Thanks, Tim. It's just, uh, he does that a lot, by the way. If you talk to Tim, he'll plant seeds in your mind that just won't leave, and it's frustrating. Um, but I'm long-suffering with him, so i, I patient. But he preached a message about us always saying we're busy. And to stop saying we're busy. It's just kind of a wall that we have up. And maybe, maybe replace it with a word like I'm productive. And then you could ask a question like, well, how, how was your week productive? And you get into more in-depth conversations and in-depth relationships. But we have, to go, we have to move forward. If we're going to follow the way of the Lord, I suppose we don't have to. We can be a Christian and have surface relationships and, and not really enter into and be the body of Christ. Um, but we're not going to live the fulfilled life that Christ has promised us unless we open ourselves up. And I know it's hard. I've been there. I've hurt others. And others have hurt me by having close relationships, intimate relationships in fellowship and in the body of Christ. And it's hard. But I can tell you, and I'll testify up here today, the way of loneliness is harder. It's harder. And the way to not enter into and to stay in this isolation and loneliness mode is to allow yourself to open up to others and allow a group around you to be intimate with you and to know about you and to open yourself up for hurt. And it's not going to be easy. But I'm telling you, it's easier than isolation because isolation's hard. So you just got to pick your heart. Do I want to follow the Lord's way or do I want to follow the, the, the other way? Whatever way that might be, there's a thousand other ways you could do. It's not easy. 
But the Lord has called us into that. He's called us into communion with each other, common union in Christ. We'll partake in that a little later. And that's where he's calling us into this deeper relationship where we have a common union in him. And we have a family bond, as Tim, uh, Tim mentioned, a family bond that is, that is unbreakable in Christ and where we can begin to trust each other and learn what it means to be long-suffering with one another, to be patient, to be joyful with one another. And then to, to uh, be able to confess our sins to one another. In James, it says, um, confess your sins one to another and pray one for another so that you may be healed. Experience healing in the body of Christ. I can't experience that unless I'm willing to develop intimate relationships. And we do that in a number of ways, but one is our intimate relationship with Christ. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. As I develop and further and deepen my relationship with Christ, I enter into him. He puts me in this group of other branches. My branches start to grow and others start to grow. And I spend time with the Lord, and then he puts me in a group where we're spending time with each other and we're, we're cultivating that relationship. And we're creating the ground, and we're watering it in which the fruit can start to grow. So spending time with the Lord, hearing his voice, calling us into fellowship, and saying, Lord, how can I be the body of Christ? What do you want me to do to be a part of your body? Calling us away from loneliness and into community, into fellowship. And that, again, it requires a closeness. It requires an intimacy. And I really believe that that's where God has led us. And it's part of our testimony over the last few years is God calling us and transitioning us from where we were at in so many, so many levels, so many ways, up to here where the Lord is just teaching us many things about being close and being in fellowship and growing in Him and abiding in the vine and letting the fruit just grow and picking from others' fruit and letting others pick from ours. And having those relationships that are lasting and where you can call and in crisis mode or calling gifts out of each other or celebrating victories together. I can't tell you how many victories we've celebrated over the last few years in our little church community. Many, many victories that we've celebrated. And it's just like, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you for calling us into this. And I, I hope that makes sense and, and uh, would love to hear from, I don't know if Jose is around here. I saw him, there he is right there. If Jose has a testimony, or if anybody else very uh, just briefly wants to share what the Lord is doing in their life as well, and through the church. Just hang on. Well, good morning. So I'm a little nervous. I've never spoken to these many people in my life. Um, so yeah, it's funny that, that you talk about uh, Tim and how sometimes he says things that uh, stick to your head. Uh, I happened to step in a crossroads a, about four years ago, and Tim was preaching on uh, whose voice are you listening to? And that resonated with me and it stuck with me. And, um, I came to Christ that night, but just a little background before I give you a little background, I want to read uh, what the Lord put on my heart this morning. And I hope you can't tell that I'm nervous. 
So this is Romans 5. And uh, it says, therefore, since we've been made right <coughs> in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege. Um, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. That un undeserved privilege, that is something that really, uh, really resonates with me. Little background, a little over five years ago, I was homeless, drug addict, didn't have much to live for, didn't have anything. Uh, but when I stepped in the crossroads and, and I heard that sermon and the, and the Lord touched my heart, that night everything changed. I stepped into that undeserved privilege. Um, so fast forward a little bit, litter down the road. Um, Lord, I'm shaking. Help me here. Um, yeah, just fast forward a little bit down the road. The Lord knew all along that I needed a little bit more TLC the most. Um, so I've been fellowshipping with these guys now, what, about four years? Maybe, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, and it has been, I can't say that it's been easy, because God doesn't say it's going to be easy. Jesus doesn't say, come to me, here you are, accept me, and, and you have an easy life. But it has been a life of undeserved privilege, where I was, you know, like I said, an alcoholic, drug addict, and, and out doing all kind of things that I shouldn't have been. Uh, in the last five years, in just that short amount of time, the Lord has seen a fit to put me in a mental health field, put me in a field where I can help others uh, that are going through what I was going through. You know, so I guess in, in short, just to, um, to, to sum it up, that undeserved privilege, if you remember who you are in Christ, if you remember that the Lord said, you are more than a conqueror. You are a prince. The Lord is just and faithful to uh, keep his word and give you that undeserved privilege. Thank you. All right. You can stop shaking now, Jose. Thank you for that. It's powerful. Does anyone else from our group, if I left anything out, uh, Tim, if you want to share anything, you can as well. Yep. Uh, we talk a lot about being vulnerable, and uh, I, I think I just want to, I, I think, specifically talk to the men because we're pretty bad at that. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Um, but over the last several years with all the health issues our family has faced and just uh, a lot of challenges, um, I just want to commend these guys, Dan and Neil and Jose and Rob, who will be here later. Um, we, we found something. I, I just want to give you a picture of this because if you don't have it, I want you to find it, especially guys. Women, I think you're better at this, so you may have this uh, more likely. But 
um, we would get together uh, at Dan's house uh, every week or other, every other week and uh, just have a time of fellowship together. Uh, there'd be a lot of joking and ribbing one another, laughing about stuff, laughing about culture and current events and masks and whatever else. Um, but we'd also dive into the scriptures. We'd also share what was going on in our lives, what we were struggling with, what's on our hearts, and um, cry together, laugh together, um, pray for one another, minister to one another. Uh, and, and that, to me, is such a picture of the body of Christ. And I just want to say that um, these guys have ministered to me in some incredible ways over the past couple years. And, um, and we had a conversation just, just, I guess, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, Dan or somebody brought up the question, what gets you excited about coming together on Sundays as a church family? And everybody kind of went around and shared. And I remember the answers. They were, um, one person said, they're really encouraged by that time. Another said, the love I feel uh, among the church family. Uh, another person said it's refreshing. Uh, another person uh, talked about the joy that comes from, from gathering together. And uh, as we sat there sharing those things, I just I thought to myself, boy, this is more of what God has for us, right? He, he desires for us to be in community where we just, we, we got to be there, right? We got to be together with our family. Um, and so I just want to, you know, thank the Lord and thank these guys for for just loving me through some really hard times and some transition. Um, and, and I'm sure there's some of you who are going through hard times right now. Um, I want to encourage you to, to find that. And, and if you want to pray about that, we'd love to, to pray with you um, either after the service or, or between services. So, And again, Tim just called something out in me and he didn't even realize it. Dang it, Tim. It's unbelievable. So we're talking about vulnerability. Uh, what, what's said in here stays in here, right? This isn't being broadcast anywhere or anything. Is it? Okay. I'll open myself up just a little bit here. All right. So a few weeks ago, and we'll, we'll kind of close things up, or at least uh, my time up here, with something we'll do with the fruit of the Spirit, um, just kind of on your own, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. We did this little activity a few, years, or a few weeks ago. Uh, we were at our house. Uh, in our little home fellowship. And we were talking about this passage. We were going through the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we asked a question to each other. Um, or it wasn't really a question, but it's more fill in the blank. So read the fruit of the Spirit. And then say, Lord, I need more. And then you fill in the blank. So we did that with each other a number of weeks ago. And mine at the time, and it still is, and I always need, was patience. Lord, I need more patience. And I think it was Kristen, if I remember right that said, well, be careful when you ask the Lord for patience because you're going to put something in your life. To, I'm like, Kristen, why did you say that? Um, he's not just going to you know, give you patience. He's going to put something in your life where you have to be patient. So whatever. Okay, that's great, Kristen. You're right. But we prayed for each other and we opened up and, and, and some shed some tears and it was really cool. But anyways, my thing was patience. So after we're done and everyone left, my 10-year-old son said, can we go to the dollar store to grab something? I said, yeah, the dollar store is right down from our house. We jump in. I'm just not thinking. I'm talking to him. And before I know it, within a minute, there's lights behind me. I'm like, what the heck? Am I getting pulled over? Yeah, I'm getting pulled over. It's right by my house, right in our neighborhood. And uh, it was, it's the police chief who I know. And I've been in the law enforcement world for like 20 years. And I, I know a lot of people, whatever. And I was like, okay, well, I, I guess I, maybe I was speeding. I don't know. He'll just probably give me a warning, whatever. Came up. 
just cold, like he didn't even know me. That's fine. He's doing his job. Goes back to his car. He's like, I think he's going to give me a ticket. I was going 25 and a 15. That's what he said. I didn't realize it. I just wasn't paying attention. Sure enough, he comes back, hands me the ticket. And I'm telling you, for four days, I wrestled with this. I was so mad. I don't deserve that. Why would I? He, I know him. He acted like he didn't even know me. Why couldn't he just give me a warning? I was really struggling with it. I was losing sleep over it. And I'm like, and at the same time, I'm like, what, why are you having such a hard time with this? And Sharona, as she always does, just get over it, whatever, you know. And then it, 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 I feel like it was the Lord nudging me. Was that, that happened on a Sunday. This was a Thursday. Like, I got to release this burden. Um, I decided, I, I think the Lord showed this to me, but write, write, to, write, him, a, write him a thank you note. Okay. All right. Okay. I, like, strained to get the words on the paper. Thank you for keeping the community safe. You, know, you gave me a ticket, and I appreciate that. Um, it was hard. But I'll tell you what was harder is the four days before that, where I was losing sleep. I was probably just my own pride, thinking I don't deserve it, whatever it is. That was hard. It kind of turned into bitterness. I'm like, geez, it's just a little ticket. Just, uh, just take care of it. But when I wrote that thank you note, and I went and dropped it off, and I paid my fine, I felt the burden release. I felt the release. I'm like, Neil, there's your opportunity. Thank you, Kristen. There's your opportunity to be patient. Be patient with the, however you want to look at patience, but that was the word that was on my mind. I think the Lord showed that to me. As we transition into music here, thinking, maybe we can just pray. As you, as you think about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, I, I need more. I just fill in the blank. And let's just kind of pray for each other right now as we do this. Lord, I need more patience for sure in my life. And Lord, whatever anyone needs here this morning, Lord, hear the prayer. May we just be real and vulnerable with you, Lord, and say, I need more. could be any one of these. And Lord, may we learn to to share and be vulnerable with each other as well and really just be the body of Christ that you've called us to be. Help us to cultivate ground, to grow the fruit of the Spirit that you've lavished upon each one of us here, Lord. All those who are in Christ have access to all these fruit. And Lord, we can live a fulfilling and joyful life with the peace of Christ in us, Lord. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.